Ladies and gents, my name is Brandon Stover. Welcome to the How to Solve Climate Change course from Plato University. Causes, systems, obstacles, solutions to this global challenge is what you're going to learn here today. When you're ready to learn more skills, join us for free at Plato.University. Let's get started with today's lesson. We'll have our expert guests briefly introduce themselves and their credentials for why they are able to speak to this topic. Sure. Chris Wedding. Let's see, which, which, which title do we pick? So the main one, I suppose, is the founder of Entrepreneurs for Impact. So we, we do three things. I read this newsletter each week on climate tech, startups, productivity, and leadership. Pretty, pretty short read, about a minute or two. Let's see. Number two, we, we also produce a podcast where I interview climate tech CEOs and investors. So a hundred and I don't know, 30 or 40 as of kind of early, early summer. And then I run this uh, climate CEO peer group. So 30 plus uh, CEOs and investors in uh, climate tech across North America and pretty, pretty exciting companies, all growth stage. So I think collectively, these folks are, are creating, you know, eight or $9 billion of value or, or, or dollars to invest in climate solutions, which is, which is great to be focusing on the solutions versus the, the doom and gloom. That's one hat, I suppose. I teach at Duke and UNC, and those, those courses cover things like climate startups and investors, ESG investing, energy finance, strategy consulting. I also co-founded a carbon removal NGO last year called TerraSet, T-E-R-R-A-S-E-T. So we're like the NGO version of Frontier. So we pre-buy carbon removals from carbon removal startups. So could you explain to us the current landscape for funding climate solutions? Let's see, awful, I think is the word. <laughs> so I think I think it's still true that 25% or so of all venture capital dollars go into climate tax companies, which is not really a sector. It's really many, many sectors under one umbrella. But the problem is, again, as we're recording this in you know late May of 2023, the latest data shows that venture capital investments are down 80% since the last, I think this was year over year, perhaps. So it's, it's pretty tough right now to raise capital, even if you're a great company. That said, there is a lot of capital. I mean, tens or hundreds of billions of dollars of capital raised in private equity funds and venture capital funds. But those investors are hesitant to invest because they don't want to, quote unquote, catch the falling knife. That is to say, they don't want to invest in a company at, at say, a $20 million valuation when the kind of macroeconomic pressures may force that to be whatever, a 10 or $15 million valuation at a, for a seed stage company in, I don't know, six months, right? That's one perspective. The other is, holy cow, valuations are, are, are down. I think this is pre, a preprint, I'm sorry, a pre-pandemic number. They're down like 15 to, I don't know, like 15 to 60% depending on which stage you're at, that goes from kind of seed to, I'm sorry, seed to series D. So in a way, like now's a great time to invest because you're getting, you're buying at a cheaper price, right? Yeah. And anyway, there's kind of a du dual forces there, let's say. 
And why would insufficient funding impede us from creating solutions, having innovation and overcoming the climate change challenge? Most projections suggest that we need to be investing three, three to nine trillion dollars per year. It's a big, it's a big ass range, but like a lot, right? Trillions of dollars. Bloomberg estimates last year in 2022 that maybe it was like 1.2, 1.5 trillion dollars in the energy transition. So that's a great start, but it's still short of what is needed across, again, across almost every sector. There's two big buckets here. One is deployment, and that's like infrastructure, real assets, project finance. So think solar projects, wind projects, battery storage projects, green building projects. That's one bucket, far, far bigger bucket than the other bucket, bucket number two, which is innovation. And that's where the whole kind of venture capital landscape exists, much smaller Many of those companies cannot grow quickly without someone else like venture capital investing because their revenue is, is going to be whatever, five years off from when the company is founded. And so there's no other, I mean, government grants can be helpful. Things like SBIR grants, let's say, or NSF grants, those can be helpful, but they're not, they're not, they're not going to get you all the way to commercialization. So we need capital in both bucket one and bucket two. There is far more capital and capital much, much, much more eager to invest in bucket one, which is no tech risk, infrastructure, again, project finance. How might we mitigate or eliminate this obstacle of insufficient funding for climate solutions? Well, there, there is this difference between perceived and actual risk that, I mean, how do you, how do you get over that? Partly it's through communi- better communication, better education, hiring the right folks, et cetera. Partly it's through better insurance uh, products. I mean, there is far more capital today than there has ever been to invest in climate solutions. Whether it's bucket number one, project finance, or bucket number two, innovation, far more capital than there's ever been for both buckets. That's great, uh, but, but we're not there yet. I mean, government policy will make some difference. So, you know, here in the U.S., the Inflation Reduction Act passed whatever it was, you know, last year, or late last year, perhaps, that policy creates much more confidence for investors to invest in things like, I mean, certainly renewables, but also things like carbon capture, which suddenly become much easier to finance, energy storage, which becomes easier to, uh, to finance. So government policy plays a role. It doesn't need to be a situation of constant government incentives kind of propping up these new sectors, but it, it is totally justified because the world or certainly governments have decided like, this matters, right? Clean air matters. Clean, clean water matters. Like not burning up in the atmosphere matters. Therefore, we will stimulate brand new industries. And when any new industry starts, guess what? It's not economic, right? This has been true for almost any new industry that the government decided was important. In the early days, oil or nuclear or natural gas, you name it, there was and continues to be government support to make those things uh, more attractive to investors and entrepreneurs. Are there any other avenues besides the government grants or incentives or the venture funding that we've been speaking of that these people may be go looking for funding for their solutions? Well, there's at least two or three. One, I'm not sure whether you mentioned it just now. One is revenue. You make money and, and reinvest profits into growth. That's fine. That's called organic growth, but it's slow, right? It's very slow. And we're kind of in a hurry here, right? To tackle climate change. Another would be debt financing. So loans, 
And that's great, except that many banks don't understand the risk profile of various climate solutions getting into the market. Now, they, they really understand, you know, green building or solar or wind and increasingly batteries and increasingly EVs. That's great. But there's a whole list of other solutions which also need, need debt financing. The thing is, a bank wants to see, they want to look backwards and they want to see predictable revenue and free cash to, to, pay the, to pay their debt, right? To pay their principal and interest back. They also want to be, be able to look at lots of other similar projects and say, oh, that worked out. Or, oh, look, I understand the costs and upfront costs, ongoing costs, revenues, profits. So I, I know how to underwrite what your project will look like the problem is, again, if you're in a newish sector, so anything funded with, with VC, none of those things are true. There's not revenue looking backwards. There are no comparables to look at, really. So banks have a hard time doing this. So, so debt could be great. It's much cheaper than capital. I'm sorry, than equity, usually, but constrained if you're on the, if you're in bucket number two, this innovation venture capital funded bucket. The third is kind of clever. It's called revenue based financing or royalty, some version of royalty. Anyway. It would say, look, let me just, we, the investor, we're not going to give you debt. We're not going to give you equity. It's something in between where we get a portion of your revenue, not your profits, your portion of your revenues. So if you make a lot of revenue, guess what? We make more money as investors. If you don't, we, we make less. Now, they usually have caveats, which would say like, hey, at a minimum over the, the term of our commitment, maybe it's three years or five years, we need to get I don't know, a 1.5 or a 2x multiple on our money. But you can also argue, well, cool, if you get downside protection, we're going to cap your upside. So mm. they might say, well, great. If we crush it, we're going to cap your upside. At, I'm making up numbers, 3x or 4x or who knows as an equity multiple. Anyway, those are three other ways companies can fund their growth. What are the best resources to learn more about funding in relation to climate change? The, certainly the, the newsletter and podcast we produce at Entrepreneurs for Impact, much of it is finance focused. That's point one, just kind of to, toot our own horn real quickly here. The, the second would be a group called, uh, Climate Tech VC. I run by some friends, uh, great newsletter, but also insight pieces and investor of, uh, lists and so forth, which is another way to get smart on this topic. There are programs run by other businesses. I think one's called Pivotal 180. One is called, oh, something on the street. Anyway, there are these third-party training programs which would teach you like project finance, let's say. And much of that, much of that is very applied to, hey, you want to work in solar, wind, storage, project finance, or, or I mean, and in the future, green hydrogen project finance, carbon capture project finance. Those are great skills to learn through these third parties. I mean, certainly folks are considering uh, grad schools, you know, come, come join me at Duke or UNC in some of these classes that I teach. Those are a few ideas. Right now, you're speaking to passionate students who want to actually solve problems like these. What top three skills should they study so that they actually have the ability to do so? Well, the good news is that almost any discipline you learn can be applied to climate solutions, right? If your jam is, is branding and marketing, Awesome. If these companies don't have that, they're not going to sell anything, right? <laughs> Therefore, no, no climate solution. 
Um, if you love operations, if you just love spreadsheets and like schedules and timetables and budgets, great. These companies need someone to run the trains efficiently. So anyway, that's, that's part one. I think outside of that, it's things like, are you, are you a self-starter? Now you don't learn that in class, right? And some people will call this like a hustle factor. That's like, there's some good and not so good connotations to that. Generally, I think it's good within boundaries, but like being a self-starter compensates for so much more, right? Let's see. I think building your network matters a lot. And, you know, there's like, I don't know, there's sayings which, which make, it, make it sound kind of gross, like, oh, your network is your net worth. And there, there are bad ways to do it, for sure. But there are also good ways to do networking. And really, all networking is, it's a process where you're finding other folks that care about what you care about, right? A similar mission. And usually, if done properly, you're helping each other out, right? Oh, you you're looking for this? Guess what? I know a person who knows that, right? And then what? Whatever. Six months, a year later, if you have a need, not not quid pro quo, but these things happen, right? And and not even the same person, right? But there's something about the ecosystem you build around yourself that you go back out with an ask, and guess what, right? If you've if you've kind of filled the social capital bank, right? There's something for you to withdraw. Again, not a one for one, uh, but I think that's that's a skill to develop as well. You know, being great on LinkedIn, a a true kind of professionally focused social media platform. I can't comment on all the other ones. I don't use them, but certainly from a, a kind of biz dev, business development perspective, you know, LinkedIn's a great one to to really excel at. Yeah, but 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 go there seeking to, to to give versus to get at least you know. At the beginning. Any final recommendations for the audience? If they're choosing to to build a career in climate solutions, G investing, corporate sustainability, boy oh boy, are they so lucky, right? I mean, honestly, when when I was getting into this, you know, whatever, 20 plus years ago, I was the oddball for sure. Yeah, but now you can it there's 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 so much evidence. Uh, case studies, big brand names behind the fact you can, you can make a bunch of money and do good for climate, environment, et cetera. Anyway, there, there, there's this huge gap right now between what investors and large corporations and small B Corps, what they need from a talent perspective and, and the kind of talent base, right? Those of you listening to this, to this podcast, right? You are, you are talent, right? There's a huge gap. And in that gap is opportunity, right? For folks, for folks to build skills like you're helping them to build to get those jobs. So anyway, I would say be optimistic for sure. Lots of growth in these spaces. And it isn't like a, you know, some five-year trend. These are like mega trends that aren't going, that aren't going anywhere. No. To help you understand the funding landscape more, choose a specific climate solution like renewable energy or reforestation and research various funding sources that support its implementation such as government grants, private investments, or crowdfunding. Reflect on the role of different funding mechanisms in driving change. Thank you for taking the How to Solve Climate Change course. If you want to learn the skills to solve this global challenge, join us for free at Plato.University for exclusive content, extra resources, and actionable exercises with every lesson. This course was produced by Plato University.
where students turn passions into purpose and learn skills to change the world. Learn more at Plato.University.